evening and welcome once again to our Bible study series, Show Us Your Glory. We have now come to part two of what will ultimately be seven parts, Lord willing. And as always, we want to welcome anyone who's with us for the first time. Uh, both the notes and the recordings for all of these studies are available at our website, which is new-life-ministries.org. I would strongly recommend downloading the notes. It'll help you to follow along because we look at a lot of scriptures and many of the scriptures are in the notes so you don't have to be thumbing around in your Bible to locate them. So with that being said, we want to move right along. I'm excited about this study and now that we've gotten past some of the basic introductory foundations, we want to really start to get into this subject, the glory of God. What is it? What does it look like? What does God want to do in our lives? And I think you're going to notice that there's a lot in the Bible about this subject, the glory of God. If you are in the notes, we've come to around, oh, maybe page nine, and this is in Part 2, Glory Manifested in the Old Testament. Uh, just a couple of words of review. We saw that in the Old Testament, the word glory, kabod, literally means weight or something heavy. And we saw that it seems to speak about the fullness of God's presence his character, everything that makes God totally different from everything else in creation. He's transcendent. He's beyond our ability to comprehend. He has no beginning. He has no end. His, his power is limitless. Such things we can only try to talk about, but we can't even fully grasp them. That's what makes God so glorious. His love, his mercy, his faithfulness, his goodness, his wisdom, his power, all of that put together is the weight of his glory. And last time we saw that literally in case after case in the scriptures, when God's glory really descended upon human beings, they couldn't handle it. They can't look at it. They can't stand in it. They can't really perform their regular functions or duties in the fullness of God's weight, the fullness of who he is. Nevertheless, Moses prayed, Lord, show me your glory. And what we're going to see tonight is God indeed demonstrates his glory. He wants us to see his glory. Last time we saw, the whole earth is full of the glory of God. The heavens declare his glory. Everywhere we look, we see the glory of God. It's the evidence, the, the emanation, if you will, of God's very being. And wherever God is, wherever God is at work, 
there you will definitely see glory. Now, let's move right into tonight's portion of the study. Uh, on page 9, Roman numeral 4, God's glory is visible. This is a very important concept for us to get. And because of that, we're going to be looking at a number of scriptures. And they actually begin to sound a bit repetitive. But I want to do that deliberately to show you how many times in the scriptures it mentions God's glory appearing to people. It's something that they saw, something that was tangible, visible, very real when it was present. All right, here we go. Psalm 97, verse 6. It says, The heavens proclaim his righteousness, and all the peoples see his glory. All the peoples see his glory. I think we could say, at one level, God's glory is evident just in the creation for all people to see. You can't miss it. A sunset, the moonlit or starlit sky is a revelation of God's glory. Everybody sees it. However, those of us who have been redeemed, we saw this already and we'll be looking into this a lot more deeply when we get to the New Testament. Those of us who have been redeemed, we've been regenerated through the blood of Jesus Christ, our eyes are opened to a whole new realm, a whole new world, where we actually begin to see the glory of God shining through the face of His Son, Jesus Christ. So, in a, in a greater way, the believer is able to see and comprehend the glory of God. But God's glory is everywhere. So, in one sense, all the peoples see his glory. Now, particularly, we're restricting our investigation right now to the Old Testament primarily. In the Old Testament, the chosen people, of course, were the nation of Israel. And scripture after scripture after scripture, we will see about God's glory appearing to them. He wanted all of Israel to see his glory and to recognize when God's glory had descended, when it was present with the people. Let's begin in Exodus chapter 16, shortly after their exodus from Egypt and crossing the Red Sea. They're now in the wilderness, and we'll pick it up in Exodus 16, verse 6, and we'll read down to verse 10. So Moses and Aaron said to all the Israelites, In the evening you will know that it was the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, and in the morning you will see the glory of the Lord. Notice those words you will see the glory of the Lord. Because he has heard you grumbling against him. Verse 10. While Aaron was speaking to the whole Israelite community, they looked toward the desert, 
and there was the glory of the Lord appearing in the cloud. So, very definitely, verse 10 tells us, the whole community saw the glory of God. Now, they weren't very spiritual, and they weren't doing very well at this point. Nevertheless, they were all able to see something there in the desert. It's called the glory of God. A little further along in Exodus 24, verses 15 to 17, when Moses went up on the mountain, that of course is Mount Sinai, the cloud covered it, and the glory of the Lord settled on Mount Sinai. For six days the cloud covered the mountain, and on the seventh day the Lord called to Moses from within the cloud. To the Israelites, the glory of the Lord looked like a consuming fire on top of the mountain. Here again, there's a visible witness, a visible demonstration of God's glory. And verse 17 tells us, down in the valley, as the Israelites looked up to the top of Mount Sinai, all of them saw something. They saw what looked like a consuming fire. The whole mountain appeared to be on fire, but as in the case of the burning bush, where God first appeared to Moses, it wasn't the same kind of a fire that we're used to. It was the glory of God. We're going to come back to this uh, at the end of this portion of our study, because there are a lot of similarities between fire and the glory of God. We've talked about this earlier. It gives off light. It gives off heat. There is a, you feel something coming from the fire. And there are evidences of that fire. Smoke often rises from a flame. So the connection between fire and glory is something we'll see quite frequently in the scriptures. Verse 17 here is one example. The whole mountain looked like it was on fire, but indeed the glory of the Lord had settled on the mountain. <clears throat> look also in Leviticus chapter 9. We'll look at verse 6 and then verses 23 and 24. Then Moses said, This is what the Lord has commanded you to do, so that the glory of the Lord may appear to you. Note those words carefully. So that the glory of the Lord may appear to you. Something that is visible. Something that all of the people would be seeing. Then down in verse 23, Moses and Aaron then went into the tent of meeting. When they came out, they blessed the people. And the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people. Fire came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the fat portions on the altar. And when all the people saw it, they shouted for joy and fell face down. Now, a couple of interesting things to notice here. This wasn't your 
ordinary burnt offering where the priest lit the fire and then placed the sacrifice on the fire. This was a burnt offering, but God's presence was the fire. The fire from the presence of the Lord consumed the burnt offering and the fat portions on the altar. Here again, I want you to notice the connection between God's presence, his glory, and fire. We read in verse 6, so that the glory of the Lord may appear to you. And indeed it did. Verse 23 says, the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people. Again, very often when glory was seen by people in the Old Testament, it was something shining, something hot, something bright. It was radiant. It was something uh, overwhelming, dazzling, lots of words I can think of, but it was something that they saw. And in your outline notes, I've given a number of other scriptures. We're not going to look them all up. But throughout the book of Numbers, you find this expression over and over. The glory of the Lord appeared. The glory of the Lord was seen by the Israelites. So, without a doubt, whatever glory is, and we're having a little difficulty really trying to define it, because it is God. It's only connected with God, and it seems to be often something shining, radiant, something that you can actually see. Okay, on to some more scriptures. Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 24. And you said, The Lord our God has shown us his glory and his majesty, and we have heard his voice from the fire. Today we have seen that a man can live even if God speaks with him. The Lord our God has shown us his glory. And looking ahead to when we do finally get into the New Testament, hopefully these scriptures will lay a foundation for you and for me to have great hope that God wants us to see his glory. If Moses and the Israelites had such a time in the glory of God, how much more, Paul will tell us in the New Testament, we who have been redeemed by the blood of Christ will be able to see and experience the glory of God. Second Chronicles 7, verses 1 to 3 at the dedication of Solomon's temple. When Solomon finished praying, fire came down. There it is again, fire. Fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering, similar to what we just read in Leviticus 9. This is not your normal burnt offering. Here the fire is provided by God, and it consumes the burnt offering. And the glory of the Lord filled the temple, fire and glory. The priests could not enter the temple of the Lord because the glory of the Lord filled it. 
similar to what we saw with Moses and the tabernacle. When the glory of God filled the tabernacle, Moses could not even enter it. The glory of the Lord filled Solomon's temple. Priests could not enter. Verse 3. When all the Israelites saw the fire, notice that, they saw fire. They saw the fire coming down and the glory of the Lord above the temple. They knelt on the pavement with their faces to the ground and they worshipped and gave thanks to the Lord, saying, He is good, His love endures forever. Now, if you were with us for our last Bible study series uh, about Israel coming out of bondage and going into the promised land, you'll remember that we characterized coming to Mount Sinai as representing the baptism in the Holy Spirit, the whole mountain on fire, the glory of God resting on the mountain. Well, looking ahead... When we come to the New Testament, what happened on the day of Pentecost? They saw fire, tongues of fire, as the Holy Spirit was filling them one by one. Very interesting. Peter calls the Holy Spirit the Spirit of glory. So what the Israelites saw at Mount Sinai and in Solomon's temple God will ultimately want to put that fire, put that glory inside of us. There is a baptism in the Holy Spirit with fire, the New Testament teaches. Okay, Psalm 63, verse 2. David says, I have seen you, talking to the Lord, I have seen you in the sanctuary, and I have beheld your power and your glory. He saw the glory. The Israelites saw the glory. Ezekiel repeatedly writes about visions and appearances where he saw the fire and the glory of God glowing and shining, radiating just one of many instances, and I've put a note here uh, to look at Ezekiel 3, Ezekiel chapter 8, 9, 10, and 11, over and over and over, you find descriptions similar to this one. We'll read just one for the sake of time. Ezekiel 1, verses 27 and 28. I saw, notice that, I saw that from what appeared to be his waist up, he looked like glowing metal, as if full of fire, and that from there down he looked like fire, and brilliant light surrounded him, like the appearance of a rainbow in the clouds on a rainy day, so was the radiance around him. This was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. When I saw it, I fell face down, and I heard the voice of one speaking. All right, let's look at a couple of things here. First of all, 
This was visible. Ezekiel's recording what he saw. He saw something glowing, like glowing metal. It was radiant. Radiance was all around him. And notice again the connection with fire, brilliant light, and beautiful colors. Here he also adds, like the appearance of a rainbow. We'll see similar descriptions in the book of Revelation, where John saw the glory of God in heaven. The appearance of a rainbow. Radiance was all around him. This was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. Key word there, appearance. It's repeated several times. I saw this. This is the appearance that I saw. Glowing metal, fire, brilliant light, rainbow, radiance. Notice also what happens to Ezekiel when he sees glory. When I saw it, I fell face down. And I would add in parentheses, under the weight. Remember the weight of his glory. People couldn't enter. They couldn't stand. They couldn't talk. They couldn't function when the fullness of God was manifested like this. He couldn't stand up. He fell on his face in the presence of God's glory. Later in Ezekiel chapter 39, verse 21, God makes a very bold and broad statement. I will display, I like that word, display. I will display my glory among the nations, and all the nations will see the punishment I inflict and the hand I lay upon them. Let me tell you something. In these last days, as things become more dark, more decadent, more violent, more perverse, make no mistake, God fully intends to display his glory among the nations in these final moments of time. And as people become more arrogant, more wicked, more rebellious against God, greater will be the glory of the Lord that is displayed among the nations. Sadly, in many cases, that glory will burn them up because they refuse to repent. They refuse to turn to the Lord. But we've been quoting a number of times that passage from Isaiah 60. In the last days, it is predicted that gross darkness will be upon the peoples. But in that same time, God says to his people, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. God is going to display his fire, his light, his beauty, his glory, and his power in the earth in these last days. He will have the final word. Okay, a little later in Ezekiel, chapter 43, verses 2 to 5, 
Ezekiel describes yet another encounter that he has with the glory of God. And I saw the glory of the God of Israel coming from the east. His voice was like the roar of rushing waters, and the land was radiant with his glory. The vision I saw was like the vision I had seen when he came to destroy the city, and like the visions I had seen by the Kibar River, and I fell face down. The glory of the Lord entered the temple through the gate facing east. Then the Spirit lifted me up and brought me into the inner court, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. Key words again here. I saw the glory of the God of Israel. He saw it coming. Saw it coming from the east. And the glory made the whole land radiant. The land was radiant with his glory. Notice again what happens to the prophet in the presence of that glory. I fell face down under the weight, under the fullness of that manifestation of God's splendor, his radiance, he couldn't stand, had to fall down on his face. We noticed in a couple of these scriptures, not only is there a visible expression, light and brilliance, radiance, and so forth. It's also audible. Psalm 29, verse 3, The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord thunders over the mighty waters. So we see his glory. We hear his glory. It is the full expression the radiating out, if you will, of God's essence, his being, who God is. So wherever God is, there is glory. Whenever God speaks, there's glory. Whenever God works, there's glory. Whenever God appears and manifests himself in a special way, there is glory. And I want to clarify something again here, because I find sometimes Christians misunderstand this. They'll say, well, why are you praying for the glory of God or the presence of God to come down? Isn't God everywhere? Indeed, he is. God has always been everywhere. But I think if you go back and look at many of these scriptures that we've been citing, it's very clear that something greater was happening in these different instances where the glory of the Lord appeared. The whole earth is full of his glory, but the glory of the Lord appeared in the temple of Solomon. The glory of God appeared there in the desert. So, yes, God is everywhere, his presence is everywhere, but very clearly in both the Old Testament and the New Testament, when God wants to manifest himself. We sometimes 
refer to this as the manifest presence of God. That's something different. That's where people fall down and they can't speak. They can't do anything. They're overwhelmed with the weight of his presence and his glory. Now, let's tie all of this together tonight as we finish part two. And next time we hope to move right into part three, where we're going to look at how we can gain and also lose the glory of God. We'll look at a very sad period in Israel's history where the glory of God departed from them. And that should certainly give us uh, cause to be very, very careful with the glory of God. We don't want to lose God's glory. Okay, here we go. On page 11, um, we've come to the conclusion of part 2. And I want to look at a number of scriptures now. Some of these we've already seen where there's a direct connection between fire and glory. And by no coincidence, God himself declares that he is a consuming fire. So the analogy goes beyond just a little illustration. God is fire. And just as fire gives off light, heat, smoke, it consumes things, so the weight of God's glory is very similar to a consuming fire. It's overwhelming. We can't contain it. We can't master it. We can't control it. It's out of our control. If we can control it, then it's not God's glory. God's glory is something transcendent, supernatural, beyond our ability to control. We can't tell it when to come and when to go. God manifests his glory at will. Now, in Hebrews 12, verses 28 and 29, it says, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. That last part is a quote from the Old Testament. So God repeatedly reveals himself in the Old Testament as a consuming fire. And as well we should, fire is something that we need to respect. An out-of-control fire is something that should put reverence and awe into us, even in a physical sense. How much more, if we understand what the writer of Hebrews is saying here, this, this God we serve, he is so awesome, He's so beyond anything we can control or comprehend, we best learn to reverence him, fear him, fall down on our faces as Moses and Ezekiel and others did in the presence of that fire and glory. God 
is a consuming fire. Let's review a few of the scriptures we've already looked at. Exodus 19, for instance, Mount Sinai was covered with smoke. Why? Because the Lord descended on it in fire. Wherever there's smoke, there's fire. Why is there smoke on Mount Sinai? Because fire is there. Where did the fire come from? The Lord descended on it in fire. The smoke billowed up from it like smoke from a furnace. The whole mountain trembled violently. <clears throat> Exodus twenty four seventeen. we saw, when the Israelites looked up to the summit of Mount Sinai, the glory of the Lord looked like a consuming fire on top of the mountain. Can you imagine what a sight that was? A mountain just engulfed in flames and smoke, the, the ground trembling, it sounds like a thunderstorm. This is God, God manifesting himself to the people. We also saw in Leviticus 9, 23 and 24, uh, the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people. Fire came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed the burnt offering. Now, several things are always evident when fire is present. One of the first things we see repeatedly mentioned in Scripture is fire produces light. It glows. There's, there's a radiance that comes forth whenever you have a fire. Thus, as we've been discussing, it is visible. Fire is not invisible. We see it in the form of blazing, glowing, radiating light. For instance, Psalm 78, verse 14. God guided them with the cloud by day and with light from the fire all night. Remember, pillar of cloud by day, a pillar of fire by night. Whenever they looked outside, they saw light coming from that fire. A pillar of fire was there continually with the Israelites. Isaiah 4, verse 5, says, Then the Lord will create over all of Mount Zion and over those who assemble there a cloud of smoke by day and a glowing of flaming fire by night. Over all the glory will be a canopy. Notice those words, smoke, glow of flaming fire, and glory. Isaiah 64, verses 1 and 2. This is a scripture that I pray regularly now. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down that the mountains would tremble before you. Well, again, isn't God everywhere? Yes, he's omnipresent. Then why was the prophet praying like this? Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. He's talking about that visible, manifest presence of God. 
What happens when that occurs? Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. The mountains would tremble before you as when fire sets twigs ablaze and causes water to boil. Come down to make your name known to your enemies and cause the nations to quake before you. Not only does fire produce light, it produces heat. It sets things on fire. It consumes things. It melts the mountains like wax, the Bible says. It causes water to boil. We want in these last days for the heat of God's glory to be manifested before the nations. We want the fire of his presence, the fire of his glory, to be over the church. God's not coming for a dead, cold, lukewarm, dried up church. He's coming for a shining city on the hill, a radiant, glorious church that's on fire with this fire, baptized in the Holy Spirit with fire. Oh, that you would come down with your fire, with your glory, and set this place ablaze once again. Daniel, he had a vision of the throne of God. My, 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 what he saw. Listen to this one. Daniel 7, verses 9 and 10. As I looked, thrones, plural, were set in place, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was as white as snow, the hair of his head was white like wool, his throne was flaming with fire. Glory to God. His whole throne is engulfed in flames. Our God is a consuming fire. His throne is a throne of fire. His throne was flaming with fire, and its wheels were all ablaze. Look at verse 10. A river of fire was flowing, coming out from before him. Hallelujah. I've never seen a river of fire before, but apparently there is one. A river of fire flowing out from the throne. Thousands upon thousands attended him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court was seated and the books were opened. If you and I are going to heaven, we, be we better get ready for some fire, friends, because he is a consuming fire. His throne is all ablaze in fire. And there is literally a river of fire flowing out, emanating from the very throne of God. Zechariah 2, verse 5. God speaking, he says, And I myself will be a wall of fire around Jerusalem, declares the Lord, and I will be its glory within. Notice those words. Wall of fire around his people, and the glory within the city. Fire and glory. In Acts 28, verse 3, I've put this scripture in here just 
uh, again, to make this point that wherever you have fire, you have heat. And heat often has a certain effect. Look at what it says here. Paul gathered a pile of brushwood, and as he put it on the fire, a viper, driven out by the heat, fastened itself on his hand. You see, the snakes, they can't stand the heat. When the fire of God comes, it drives out demons. It drives out evil spirits. Things that have been hiding there in the dark, in the cold, in in the wet brush, when fire comes there, suddenly things are manifested, kind of like what we saw with the hornets in the Old Testament. God said, I will send in the hornets and drive out those enemy nations. When God sends in the, the heat, the fire of his Holy Spirit, demons are cast out. Jesus said, if I, by the Spirit of God, cast out demons, then you know the kingdom of God has come. We have to pray earnestly in these last days for a mighty outpouring of God's glory, God's manifest presence, his radiance, his fire, and his heat to drive out all the demons, perverse spirits, violent spirits, lying spirits, corrupt spirits, demons of false religion that are blinding and deceiving people. Your clever speeches and my clever speeches are not going to get the work done. We need the fire of God. We need the glory of God to be manifested, especially in these last days. And I've been greatly encouraged in, in the last few weeks as we've been studying this and as we've been praying. We've been seeing greater and greater manifestations of God's glory, of God's presence in our lives, and particularly when we come together to worship him and to seek his face. Why? Because God wants to. He wants to manifest his glory more than we want to see it. It's his heart's desire to manifest his glory before his people. <clears throat> we saw that repeatedly tonight with the Old Testament Israelites, how much more for you and for me, who are new creations of Christ, we've been born again, born of water, born of the Spirit, redeemed and made new through the operation of God, how much more he wants to show us his glory. Now, next time in part three, we're going to look at glory gained and glory lost in the Old Testament. God wants to give glory to his people, but it can also be withdrawn. Ezekiel saw the glory of the Lord coming, and he also saw it lifting off of the temple. We'll see next time God manifested his glory to the Israelites but he also took that glory away during the time of Samuel. So this visible, tangible manifestation of God 
is something very, very real. It doesn't say they imagined or they thought that maybe they caught a glimpse of something. No, they saw the glory of God repeatedly. God's glory appeared to them like fire, like smoke, like light, like something radiant. And so wherever God is, wherever God shows up, the evidence of the reality of his presence there is what we call glory. We can't pretend we saw it. We can't imitate it. We can't fake it. We can't control it. We can't control God. How do we expect to control his glory? God's glory is manifested when God himself shows up. So we want to, as we read in Hebrews 12, with reverence and awe, we want to be approaching the God of glory, recognizing he is a consuming fire. This is something way beyond our ability to understand or to control, nevertheless, it's very, very real. And I want to encourage you to begin praying with us more and more. Lord, show us your glory. Manifest your glory in the earth in these last days. Manifest your glory especially in the churches. And before we close tonight, I'm getting way ahead of myself, but I was greatly encouraged this week by something that I was studying in the New Testament. In 2 Corinthians 3, Paul says the ministry of Moses was glorious. We know that because his face was shining with glory when he came down from Mount Sinai after spending 40 days and 40 nights in that glory. He was bringing the covenant in his hands, the two tablets of the stone, the basis of that ministry. It was a glorious ministry. But Paul teaches that faded away. There is a surpassing glory now. There is a ministry that has not only replaced Moses' ministry, but goes way beyond it. Moses' ministry, as glorious as it was, it brought death and it brought condemnation. The new covenant ministry that God has called you and me into is a ministry of life and a ministry of righteousness. How much more glorious, Paul says, is that ministry? And I want to encourage you, those of us who minister on behalf of Christ. I don't care if you're a full-time pastor, preacher, Sunday school teacher, or you share Christ with your co-workers at work. That's a ministry. And our new covenant ministry is glorious. And I want you to be praying with me for all of those who minister for Christ, especially church leaders, pastors, prophets, apostles, evangelists, teachers, elders, deacons, pray for the glory of God to come upon them. They're supposed to be glorious ministers. The Bible says he makes his ministers flames of fire. We should be on fire 
with the glory of God. Our faces should be shining even brighter than Moses did when he came down from the mountain. When we preach the gospel, our faces should be radiating with glory. When we speak his word, his voice should be thundering through us, convicting sinners of sin, bringing them to the cross, and causing them to be born again. Let's be praying and believing that God wants a glorious church. He's called us to a glorious ministry, and he wants to put his glory upon us as we serve him in these last days. Let's close in prayer. Father, I thank you. I am greatly encouraged as we dig deeper and deeper into your word that you are a God of glory and you want to manifest your glory both before the nations and especially to your people. Lord, I pray tonight that you would fill your church with glory in these last days. Invade every church with the glory of God. Lord, let your manifest presence fill every congregation wherever two or three gather together in the name of Jesus, sincerely seeking you. Pour out your glory in these last days. God, you've called us to a glorious ministry, preaching not death and condemnation, but preaching abundant life, preaching freedom, deliverance, hope, and salvation through the cross of Jesus Christ and through the power of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Lord, baptize your people with the Holy Spirit and fire. Let the glory of God descend upon the churches, upon the ministers, upon the preachers, the song leaders, the Sunday school teachers. Fill your church with glory in these last days. And Lord, no matter how dark, how wicked, how perverse, how violent the world around us becomes, let us rise up, stand up, and shine, for the glory of the Lord is coming in greater and greater measures. Lord, let us go from glory to glory as we are increasing in your glory, looking forward to your soon return. Show us your glory, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen.